Hi, this is Discover the Wall from English Heritage. I'm Maddie Moat, exploring Hadrian's Wall. And for this, the final episode, I want to find out about the Roman legacy and what's being done to protect this amazing historical site. I'm with Francis, a curator at English Heritage, who's telling me more. The wall used to be some five metres, you know, in the past, back in his heyday, it would have been really impressive. But I'm wary in the sections that I've seen already, it's worn away to hip heights or it's completely gone. It's just been, you know, taken away by the river. But at the same time, I know that I've actually seen some of the, the best preserved sections of the wall. So how much of the original wall can still be seen? Well, it's different all along the wall, but the bit at Bird Oswald where it's, you know, head height is some of the um, highest bits <clears throat> and also the longest stretch that's um, visible. Um, and then you, as you go along from Bird Oswald along to Housestead, you see again some really spectacular sections. But unfortunately, a lot of the stone was taken from the wall to build houses. <laughs> okay, so that's where it's all gone. <laughs> that's where it's all gone to build houses and um, new bridges because... It's ready-cut stone, so it probably seemed quite sensible to the residents at the time. So does that explain why the wall is different heights? Exactly. It's good to know that the stone's being put to good use, but at the same time, it would be a shame to see the wall deteriorate further. So is there anything being done or is there anything we can do to preserve it in its current state? Absolutely. So since um, the Ancient Monuments Act in 1933, it's been illegal to take stone away um, from the wall or to quarry close to the wall. So it's got protection um, in multiple ways like that. We can also protect it if we visit it by not walking on top of the wall, not taking any stone away, you know, not kind of chiselling a bit off as a souvenir. So as visitors, we can play our part too. One man who has played a big part in keeping Hadrian's Wall preserved for future generations is John Clayton, and Francis is telling me more about him. John was um, a 19th century lawyer, um, but he amassed a great amount of money through his business dealings. And he also was lucky enough that his summer country residence had Chester's Room Fort in the front garden. Oh, what, what a nice thing to have in your front I garden. I know, it doesn't happen very often. And um, he had a great interest in archaeology and in the past. And by the time he died in 1890, he owned five forts and about 20 miles of Hadrian's Wall. So he actually purchased parts of the wall. He did. So he bought up any farm that came on up for sale with the wall on, um, you know, on the land. And he did that to protect it and to study it. Why? Why do you think he had that interest? Um, he seems to have been always interested um, in the past. His, his grandmother was also keen on studying antiquities and um, the Romans, so we think he might have inherited his interest from her. But we're really grateful that he did have this interest and he had the money to pursue that because in his lifetime, people were still using the wall as a stone quarry and taking stone away to build houses. So without... John Clayton, the famous stretches of wall that you see on all the postcards and up at Halsteads when you go for a walk, that wouldn't have been probably still standing without him. Well, thank you, John Clayton. But out of interest, how much do sections of the wall cost? I mean, it would have varied because the value was mostly on the farmland. But for one instance, Carabruff Roman yeah. Fort, where yeah, you visited, that. yeah, when that sold in 1929, it was about 400 acres of farmland. It was on the market for £4,300. 
So let's do some maths. I'm looking online and prices now are 6,207% higher than prices in 1929. That means that John's £4,300 purchase would now cost him £271,214.04. Wow, aside from spending money buying up land, what else is being done to protect the wall? Well, lots of organisations care for different stretches of uh, Hadrian's Wall. English Heritage is, you know, one of them. We look after large um, parts of it. And we have a regular monitoring system that um, checks if there's any issues with any sections of the wall. And we carry out repairs. We put up new panels and also try and encourage people to follow kind of the code. So as we said, don't walk on the wall, you know, um, walk in a group don't walk single file because you start to make erosion worse and I think as well though with things even like this podcast is that if you can make people or encourage people to be passionate about the history then you naturally want to preserve it anyway exactly it becomes something that you're interested in and something you care about I've really enjoyed discovering more about Hadrian's Wall and I can totally understand why people would keep coming back to learn more because it's just so rich in history and it makes a lot of sense that it has become a world heritage site. I'm really enjoying discovering Hadrian's Wall. It's such an amazing place, which is why it's no surprise to me that UNESCO, which is the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, named it as a world heritage site in the late 80s. And I'm meeting a man who can tell me more. Right now, I'm with John, and John is the World Heritage Coordinator for Hadrian's Wall. How would you describe a World Heritage Site? What, 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 is, what is a World Heritage Site? Okay, so a World Heritage Site is exactly what it says in the title. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a piece of heritage that belongs to the world. So if you think about the other members of the World Heritage List, we've got places like the Taj Mahal, um, the pyramids, um, Machu Picchu. Mm. These are sites which are even more important than the, country, than the countries that they're actually in. So, you know, you've got... And things that belong to the whole of humanity. They sort of record the history of humans throughout time. Why did Hadrian's Wall become a World Heritage Site? Why wouldn't it, in that sense? <laughs> as you just said, it's just such an amazing place. Yeah. Um, and when, as we talk about a World Heritage Site on Hadrian's Wall, we've also got to talk about the fact that it's part of a a really big thing that connects all the Roman frontier from the second century right around Europe. So it literally is world heritage in that yeah. sense. Um, the Romans built the frontier like Hadrian's Wall um, all the way through Europe in the Near East and North Africa to sort of define the border. Mm -hmm. And the ambition of UNESCO, who are the people that administer world heritage, is to sort of bring all that frontier back together as, a, as, a, as truly a world heritage site, which connects all those countries together in... Yeah. World heritage. <laughs> I think you're right, though. The wall became home for people who came from all over the Roman Empire, from so many different nations. It's a very natural fit. Exactly. exactly. And we all share that common heritage. So I always think of the World Heritage List as a thing that's... It's not sites, a list of sites which are really quite nice. It's sites that are really, really important. And if they weren't there we'd all be worse off somehow. Yeah. So if the Taj Mahal didn't exist, we'd, no, we'd, we'd notice that, you know, because we kind of feel that we all own it. If the pyramids didn't exist, it would be an impact on everybody. Yeah. Um, and Hadrian's Wall is part of that list. I mean, it's, it's a real honour in that sense to be on that list of su such a few places in the world which are important to everybody. Do you know how many things are on the list? 
There are 1,092 as we speak, <laughs> um, of which 31 are in the UK. So we, we've got quite a few out of That's that. That's quite a lot of places to put on a bucket list, isn't it? I might have to be a bit selective. <laughs> yeah, well, pr- perhaps just choose a, a narrow theme. Yeah. So um, if you, um, Hadrian's Wall was designated a World Heritage Site in 1987, and it joined the list alongside places like Venice, the Great Wall of China, and so forth. So, so maybe we just tackle the ones that were inscribed in the same year. <laughs> it seems like a jolly good holiday, whichever way. It does. It's already quite an international trip. What does becoming a World Heritage Site mean for Hadrian's Wall? It's an incredibly important place. So that means that we have a responsibility to take care of it. And that means we don't just have a responsibility to take care of it for the country, but for everybody else around the world. And I don't know, while while you've been travelling around (laughs) Hadrian's Wall, you'll have met people or seen or heard from people all across the world as you've been wandering around. And um, it has that profile, but it has that responsibility for us. We're very careful to make sure that we look after it in the best possible way. The people I've met are very passionate about the wall. So it's fantastic to know that it's, it's going to be looked after and preserved as, as best as it possibly can be. It's a full-time job, keeps us busy, <laughs> but um, better that than, than not. Um, but everybody's willing to lend a hand. So people, I don't know, it's one of these places that kind of gets under, in your skin, under your skin. And as you say, people come back and they come back and they come back. And we have an army of volunteers that help out all the organisations along the way to look after this 130 mile long World Heritage Site, although only 70 miles of it has the wall itself. But they put hours and hours and they've always got a smile on their face. Come rain, wind or shine, you know, it's, and, and that's a great thing to be part of. I'm very lucky in that sort of sense to work with all these different people. Discovering the wall with English heritage has been amazing. From finding out how the wall was built to the life of a Roman soldier. From tasting Roman food to seeing the games that people played. From learning about the Corbridge Horde to understanding more about why this fascinating place has world heritage status. It really has been a wonderful experience and you can experience it too. Just search English Heritage online and find out more about the amazing things you can see and do at Corbridge Roman Town, Chester's Roman Fort and Museum, Halstead's Roman Fort and Third Oswald Roman Fort. <laughs>